Let's look in our Bibles this evening to the book of Psalms, to Psalm chapter 41. Psalm in chapter 41. And we are going to read verse 9. But let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Our Father, we thank you again for all of your many blessings. Help us never to say that in vain repetition, but from our heart and be thankful unto you for your goodness and your grace, your love toward us. We're so thankful that you love us with an everlasting love and you've assured us that nothing can ever separate us from your love. We ask you to be with us this evening. Help us as we look into your word. We pray that you would give us understanding and help us to learn and grow thereby. Again, we are thankful for each one that serves you no matter where they are in this world. We are thankful for your people and your churches. We do ask your blessings upon them. We thank you most of all for our Savior. We're thankful for blood redemption. We're thankful for true salvation that we have in him. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Our subject this evening is one that you don't hear a lot about. It's on just on Judas. Judas. But there is much that we can learn of the sovereignty of God and of the providence of God through what the scripture tells us about the one who betrayed the Lord. Let me mention when we speak about the providence of God, we know that uh, it does mean that God does provide, he does that in his providence, but the meaning of providence goes deeper and further than that. God's providence is simply his sovereignty ruling over his creation, working all things after the counsel of his own will. And we need to keep that in mind when we think about Judas and his deeds in betraying the Lord. God works all things after the counsel of his own will. I began in Psalms 41 and in verse 9. And this is one of those messianic statements that we find here. It's actually Jesus speaking many years before he was born in Bethlehem. In Psalm 41 verse 9, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Keeping that in mind, go to Psalm 55, if you would. In Psalm 55, and here I'm going to read verse 12 through verse 14. Psalm 55, verse 12. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my God, my, my guide, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. Again, 
This is prophecy. It's, it's what is spoken of through David, but it is actually what happens with the Lord, and it's foreknowledge of God. And if we see it all worked out in the New Testament, again we learn about God just working things out, and we also learn about the deceitfulness of sin. That's seen throughout the study of Judas, just the deceitfulness of sin. If you would go with me to the New Testament in the book of Luke in chapter 6. Luke and in chapter 6, and here I'm going to begin in verse 13. Luke and in chapter 6 and in verse 13. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. Now how many there were, I don't know. These were the followers of Jesus Christ. And how many disciples they were at that time, we're just not told. But many times when we think of the disciples, we think about the twelve. And certainly that's correct. But here there was more than twelve disciples because we're told of them he chose twelve whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotus, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas his chariot, which also was the traitor. Judas was one of those disciples of the Lord, a follower of the Lord, whom Jesus chose to be an apostle. The name Judas, just consider it for a moment, it was a very common name at that time. Judas Iscariot was not the only one named Judas. You notice uh, in verse 16, there is a Judas who was the brother of James, and also Judas his chariot. Judas there, the brother of James, is actually Jude, who wrote the book in our Bible. I want to mention some others, just point out some others who were named Judas. Look in the book of Acts and in chapter 9. In Acts in chapter 9, we have the account of Saul of Tarsus and what all occurred in his salvation experience. And I'm going to take up the reading in verse 10 of Acts chapter 9. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. To him the Lord said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. There's another Judas. If you look over to Acts chapter 15, Acts and in chapter 15, and I began reading here in verse 
24. Acts 15, verse 24. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to me, to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. If you look down to verse 32, you have Judas and Silas mentioned there once again. The name Judas, by definition, means praise or to give thanks. The name Judas is, has many different variations in the Bible. You remember the tribe of Judah. Same word as Judas or Jude. Again, there's many different variations here. But as we think about Judas, I'll mention this. You and I can easily be deceived. I've been deceived by many on many different occasions. But one thing we can be assured of, Jesus cannot be deceived. Peter on one occasion said, Lord, thou knowest all things. And if a true statement has ever been made, that's certainly one of them. We read in our text of Jesus speaking in prophecy of the one who would betray him. It was a familiar friend, his acquaintance, one that walked with him here upon this earth. They went to the house of God together one that he did choose to be an apostle. But look in the book of John, if you would, and in chapter 6. John, and in chapter 6, I'm going to read verse 64. John 6, and in verse 64. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. The act of Judas was no surprise to Jesus. He knew this from the beginning. Before there ever was a world, Jesus knew who it was that would betray him. Look also in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, and we'll begin here in verse 3. John chapter 13 and in verse 3. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet 
and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but, it, but is clean every whit. Ye are clean, but then he said, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, ye are not all clean. Now back up to the 6th chapter of John, if you would. In John in chapter 6, Verse 66. John 6, verse 66. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas his chariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. When we read of Judas being one of the twelve, one of the chosen apostles of the Lord, and we look at what little is said about him in the New Testament, in the Scripture, there is no record of him having bad character. His morals seem to be as good as the other apostles, the only thing that we have is recorded in John 12 and in verse 6 where it says that he was a thief. But this seems to be known only to God in his omnipotence and, and just knowing things, whether his omniscience and Judas himself. No one else seemed to be aware of this. Again, his outward character seemed to be as as good as the other apostles. He never seemed to be under suspicion of anything. I've always been amused when you see uh, paintings of the twelve and they try to paint Judas and he always looks like a sneaky individual, a very sly person. And that's just not biblically correct. I mean, there's just nothing to, to have him under suspicion until the night of the betrayal, no one's ever suspected any fault in Judas. 
We read that James and John, they were guilty of of just sinful ambition. They wanted a special place with Jesus in the kingdom of God, one to sit on his right hand, the other on the left, and they were rebuked for that. Peter was guilty on many different occasions for just speaking rashly. But if you look at Judas, he just seems to be beyond reproach. He's never chastened of the Lord individually. I'm sure he viewed himself as a, as a good man. But self-deceit and self-ignorance is still common in religion today. There's still many just like Judas who have that front, have that appearance that they are as righteous as anyone else. But they are as sinful as Judas himself. When you think of the apostles, Peter, James, and John had more private time with Jesus than the other apostles. But again, I'll say there seems to be no difference between Judas and the other apostles. The others just seem to, they all just seem to be just alike. Judas called of God, he preached, he healed the sick, he cast out devils just like the rest of them did. He, he fulfilled the office of an apostle during his life up until the time of the betrayal just like the other apostles did. Again, the deceitfulness of sin and how people can be deceived. I've known, I'm sure Brother Justice has known, you probably have too, I've known preachers over the years who put forth a good front. You might think they were just all very righteous. Next thing you know, they're in terrible sin. It just it makes you wonder how you can be deceived so easily. Look in the book of Matthew, if you would, in chapter 20. Matthew, and in chapter 20, and I'm going to begin in verse, Verse 20, I mentioned this just a moment ago, but I'm going to read it for another reason. Matthew chapter 20 and in verse 20, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons. That's James and John. Their mother, James and John, come to Jesus worshiping him. Well, that's a false worship if there ever was one. They came there with that sinful ambition. But it says worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what you ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of my cup and be baptized 
with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Now notice that carefully in verse 24. When the ten, this is James and John, their mother, but there are still the ten other apostles. And they were there and they heard this. And when the ten, which would include Judas, heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Look in Mark chapter 10 and in verse 41. Mark and in chapter 10 and in verse 41. Notice Mark's account of this and the reaction of the 10. Mark 10 and in verse 41. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John, and again among that ten was Judas his carrier. I'm going to go from there to the book of John in chapter 12. John, and in chapter 12, I'm going to read verse 1 through verse 8. John chapter 12 and in verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas his carrot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold <coughs> for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Now, just considering this, we're told here it was Judas who did speak up in verse 4. That one of his disciples, Judas his carrot Simon's son, which was betrayed him, he said, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And we're told he cared nothing for the poor, here we're told that he was a thief, but again, no one knew that but him and the Lord. But he was the treasurer 
of the group. That's what it means when it said he had the bag and bear what was put therein. Evidently, he had been dipping into the, the treasury of the group, of the, even of the Lord's church. He had the bag, and he was a, a, a thief. But notice in Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew and in chapter 26, And I'm going to begin here in, in verse 6. Matthew 26, verse 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came to him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when the disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Now, this is another occasion with this woman with an alabaster box of precious ointment anointed the head of Jesus as he was sitting at meat. But notice here, it's not just Judas. It says, When his disciples saw it. They had indignation, the whole group of them. Again, in John, in the other occasion, it was only Judas there that did speak up. But here, it seems to be all of the disciples, all twelve. They had indignation. They said, to what purpose is this waste? There's a lot to think about when you consider Judas and things that were going on. It's always seemed strange to me that none of the enemies of Jesus Christ, none of the chief priests, the elders, none of the Pharisees, Sadducees, or any of them, none of them ever approached Jesus' disciples seeking to recruit them to betray Jesus. I'm sure they observed all the apostles, all twelve, but they did not see a weakness in any of them, it appears, or they would have approached some of them. But they did not. There's no record of them, not even a hint of them, ever thinking about trying to get one of Jesus' disciples to betray him it was Judas who went to the chief priest it was not the chief priest who went to Judas evidently they saw no weakness in him nor any of the other uh, apostles if you're in Matthew 26 look at verse 14 then one of the twelve called Judas his carrier went unto the chief priest. Again, he went to them. They did not come to him. And saith unto them, What will you give me? There the greed comes out. There you get an insight into the real character of Judas. What will you give me? 
and I will deliver him unto you. You hate that when it happens, don't you? Verse 15, what will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. They must have had a conversation about this, a discussion, but then they came to an agreement. The ones that Judas came to, the chief priest, and you notice that's plural in verse 14. They were a lot better bargainers and traders than Judas is carried. I'm sure Judas might have thought it would be worth a lot more than this. 30 pieces of silver was just the, the price of a common slave. I'm sure he might have thought that He's going to get a large sum of money, but he did not. 30 pieces of silver. Look in the book of Luke in chapter 22. In Luke and in chapter 22, and in verse 3, well, I'll just start at verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. Boy, that's just always sad for me to read, but I know again it's the counsel of God but that it was one of the twelve. Verse 4, And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. Verse 5 says, And they were glad and coveted to give him money. They were glad. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. You might remember many times the Jews wanted to kill Jesus, but they did not because they were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid it would be an uprising of, of the Jews. But again in verse 5, I don't know whose it is, but I hope you can get it off. <laughs> huh? That church phone? Okay. Sorry. Sounded like it was in here. When you look at, in verse 4, he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him. They, they talked this over about the best way to do it. And they wanted it done in verse 6 in secret, in the absence of the multitude. But they were happy in verse 5. They were glad that Judas came to them. And where it says, and they were glad, I'm sure they might have been surprised that one of the apostles would come to them 
and was willing to betray Jesus Christ. That must have been a, a surprise unto them. And again, they covenanted it for 30 pieces of silver. I've got to go back to Matthew in chapter 26. Matthew and in chapter 26 and in verse 48. This is a part of the agreement that they made. In verse 48 of Matthew 26. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. That raises a question, why was it necessary for Judas to give them a sign which would identify which one of those twelve was Jesus. Why did he need to, need to give a sign? Evidently those soldiers and whoever it was that came out that night to see Jesus did not know him. Maybe they never had seen him before. But it certainly indicates to us that, that Jesus in his earthly state, in his appearance, was no different from any other man. He just seemed like every other person. Not like you might see pictures of him with a halo over his head. He didn't have that. He had to give a sign to identify which one of these men it was. Why he chose the sign to kiss him, I don't know. But it just sort of repulsive to me to read about him kissing Jesus. But you'll notice in verse 48... The last part of the verse, Judas, part of this agreement was, you hold him fast. You take hold of him and hold him fast. Don't let him uh, escape. But go with me to Mark's account in Mark chapter 14. In Mark and in chapter 14, And I'm going to begin in verse 44. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, that's that sign saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. But notice this. He said, take him and lead him away safely. Take him and lead him away Safely, What in the world was Judas thinking? I mean, he betrayed him. We're delivering him over into the hands of the enemies of Christ. But he said, take him away safely. Now, back to Matthew again, this time to chapter 27. It carries us to the time after the betrayal. After what happened in the garden. After they seized Jesus. In Matthew chapter 27 and in verse 1. When the morning was come. Keep in mind. The betrayal took place the night before. 
After the institution of the Lord's Supper, they had already observed the Passover meal. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane there at night, and then the multitude came with their swords and stave, and Judas betrayed him the night before. But here you read about the next morning. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. When they had bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor, notice this now, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders, saying, I have sinned, that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to it. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed, and went, and hanged himself. Back to verse 3. You'll see these words. When he saw that he was condemned. Judas had said the night before, lead him away safely. But here, when Judas saw that he was condemned, it sort of gives us a hint. I don't know how accurate it is. But it gives us a hint that maybe Judas thought that Jesus would somehow escape. He had many times before people wanted to kill him. He'd just walk away and nobody would lay a hand on him. He'd walk through the midst of an angry mob and nobody could touch him because his hour was not come. And it appears that Judas thought that maybe he would do that on this occasion. But in verse 3, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, that's when the blood money seemed to have lost its attraction. He went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me? Evidently, he was satisfied with 30 pieces of silver. Maybe he thought he made a good bargain. But when he saw that Jesus was condemned, when he was going to be put to death, it says in verse 3, he repented himself. He had a change of mind. And he sought to maybe reverse the deal somehow, and he sought to give back the 30 pieces of silver. In verse 4, Judas found out whatever sinner will find out sooner or later, and that's that their cohorts in sin care nothing for them individually. They might like to sin with them. They might like to do sinful things with them. They might be good friends in all of that, but they care nothing for you as an individual. And in verse 5, he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed 
and went and hanged himself. And we have some in scripture some very graphic words describing the death of Judas. Here we're told he hanged himself. How he went about doing that, we don't we don't have the details. But look in the book of Acts in chapter 1. In Acts and in chapter 1 And I'm going to begin in verse 15. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about a hundred and twenty. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit by the mouth of David spake concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue Alcadema, which is to say the field of blood. Now Judas didn't personally purchase that field called Potter's Field, but it was purchased with the 30 pieces of silver. And it was used, that field was used to bury strangers who died in Jerusalem, maybe the poor. But notice the details of the death of of Judas. In verse 18, it says, falling headlong. That word really means when he hanged himself, somehow he fell. Some say the rope broke. Whether he used a rope, I don't know. I don't know what he used to hang himself. He must have hanged himself over... Somehow very high. I don't know how he would. If you just think about a regular gallus that you might see in our country, somebody fall from that, you wouldn't think they would burst asunder and their bowels gush out. So it must have been of some height, of some way, that he did hang himself. But it says falling headlong, and those words mean when he did fall, that he fell on his face is what A.T. Robertson says. He's a great Baptist scholar. He says those words mean that he fell flat on his face rather than falling on his back. He hit face down. And when he did, we're told again in verse 18, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. If you look down to verse 20, still in Acts 1, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Whereof these men, which have accompanied with us all the time that 
the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John under that day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed to Joseph, called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justus and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression failed, that he might go to his own place. Now I'm going to mention this, and it has nothing really to do with what we're talking about. But I've mentioned to several, as you're looking for a pastor, notice what is written in verse 24. Follow that example. The latter part of that verse. Show us whether of these two thou hast chosen. Seek the one that God has already chosen. That's something to make an object of prayer. Seek the one that God has already chosen. But go back, if you would, to verse 25. The latter part of the verse. Which Judas by transgression failed, that he might go to his own place. Peter had no doubt about the destiny of Judas. He'd go to his own place. He'd go to hell, which is prepared for the devil and his angels. We read earlier that Jesus said that Judas was a devil. And he went to the place prepared for devils. He went to the place where all sinners are going to find themselves after their death. The place that is mentioned in verse 25 is far different from the place that Jesus is preparing for his people. Judas, during his sinful deeds, proved that this was his place. Matthew 26 again. Matthew in chapter 26. Notice in verse 24. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him. And that's a powerful statement there. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him. But woe unto that man... By whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. 
I think what Jesus said there in that statement, it had been good for that man if he had not been born, is true of all who will die in their sins. It would have been far better to have never been born than to spend an, an eternity in that place with Judas. It had been a lot better just to never been born. This biblical account of Judas, I say again, is just a great lesson here of God directing events according to his own will, the deceitfulness of sin, but also of human responsibility. No one forced Judas to do what he did. God did not force Judas to do what he did. Judas did it because he wanted to. His true nature finally come out. I'm going to mention this to you. It's not scripture, but I'm going to mention it. But I thought about it while looking at this. I don't know if they still have it today or not, but in the past, slaughterhouses had what they called a Judas goat. And people would train that Judas goat to lead cattle and sheep to the literal slaughterhouse to be killed. And once that was trained, those cattle and sheep would follow that particular goat into the slaughterhouse. The Judas goat would not be slain. It would be put back in the field. But he would lead the others there to be killed. And he was known as a Judas goat. Because he betrayed those that were following. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Our Father again we thank you for the time to look into your word Help us to learn even from the account of Judas. Help us to have an understanding of things that occurred, bringing about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we're so thankful that you are in control of all things and nothing could happen without your, your predestinating it, you ordaining it, we're thankful you were in control of all things. Again, we ask for your blessings upon all of your people, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.